Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Treat Dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts Dad will love up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make Dad's day with gifts up to 60% off. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Oh, come on. All right, guys. Question for Derek. My COVID mask. I can? All right. Are we totally in sync right now? No, we're not. I wouldn't say it's out of sync. I saw uh, Bucker for the Chiefs kick three in a row yesterday, so I had the good, I had the good vibes. I said, if Kansas City's going to kick a field goal in that situation, I sure as heck am. I don't really see a lot of tweets, and I saw your tweet about that, and it made my day. Well, whatever tweet he saw, it wasn't one of my tweets because he blocked me. Derek Carr. Congratulations. Credit where credit's due. I'm yeah. not going to say Derek Carr didn't play well when he did play well. He no played doubt. well. He did. Raiders played well. Right. Raiders christened the giant Roomba in the desert known as Allegiant Stadium, a.k.a. the Death Star. Well, the Death Star did not take a proton torpedo to the exhaust port last night. The Raiders held off the Saints. It's PFT Live, Peacock TV, streaming live, 7 a.m. Eastern every weekday. NBCSN re-air back on, Sirius XM 211, Sky Sports, whenever they decide to press play. Chris Sims taking his perfunctory drink to start the Ah, morning. Feels good. How are you? I'm doing good. What'd you think? Did you like the new stadium? I love the new stadium. It would have been even better if people were there. It's just so bizarre to have two of the nicest stadiums we've ever seen open with no one there right it's it's still strange to see it although i'm much more used to it now than i was a week ago agreed but it does have a good look i like the cool like uh i what are they that that carbon flame they have there to represent al davis i love all the black seats certainly i mean it really it's got a great look on the outside you're right the last two stadiums the last two weeks pretty unbelievable and way to go raiders what do you what is it mike are you more like pro Raiders, like, whoa, I'm impressed by what they did? Or are you a little bit more right now as of Tuesday morning going, whoa, I'm not exactly sure how good the Saints are exactly? I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. And I think we get an answer to each question this weekend because the Raiders go to New England to play the Patriots and the Saints go home to face the Packers. So there's a chance both of those teams are going to get blown off the field come Sunday. New England doing it to Las Vegas, almost said Oakland, and the Saints doing it to Green Bay. Didn't almost say Milwaukee. So uh, I think that's the reality. It's still to be determined because we're so used to, to a reality in which the Raiders are mediocre at best and the Saints are mediocre at very, very worst on their worst possible day. And I think that that, that history has me thinking, well, the Saints without Michael Thomas, and well, yeah, they right. kind of got away from them, and well, you know, you're ready to go well, well, well on both sides. Maybe the reality is the Raiders are getting a lot better. It helps to have Josh Jacobs. It helps to have Derek Carr playing a hell of a lot better, and it helps to have Josh Jacobs to do that. And, you know, Drew Brees 
is 41, and Father Time continues to be undefeated. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, it, it, you feel good about the Raiders. We certainly saw positive things uh, last night, and there are certain areas where they match up, you know, pretty well against the New Orleans Saints. Their big offensive line against that big defensive line of the New Orleans Saints. I mean, the Raiders hold held their own at the very least really allowed them to keep being at least consistent with the run game, which helped out the rest of their offense. Yeah, the Saints had no Michael Thomas, but I, I did find myself there a little wondering last night. I'm not going to lie, and I'm not trying to like rush to judgment where I just went, man, all right, the Saints don't look that impressive. Can't lie, they didn't look that impressive in week one either, and I know it's still the first two weeks of the year, but I did find myself at some point, I don't know, what was it, third quarter there going – Man, maybe, I don't know, maybe this Saints team has passed its shelf life. Maybe it's on a downward, it's going down. And, you know, the last three years, yeah, they were great, but how many more really great years do they have in them? And then you sit there and watch the game and you go, yeah, I know no Michael Thomas, but you said it. Drew Brees is 41. And other than Alvin Kamara, who can make a big play on the offensive side of the ball? And he's not necessarily a guy that's going to go, you know, 60, 70 yards for a touchdown. In the pass game, Man, it's work. It's work. I mean, it's it's got to be five yards at a clip, five yards, six yards, five yards. It's hard to drive in the NFL like that always. And then, you know, Mike, I'd even throw it over to the defense and just go, what's to be excited about there right now? Who's a difference maker? You know, who's the guy that you look at and go, oh, man, they you got to stop him or he's all over the place. They don't have that. So I guess I'm a little concerned or more concerned about the Saints than I thought I would be after two weeks. What's amazing is the passing numbers for the Saints far more spectacular than what our eyeballs tell us watching the game. 312 yards from Drew Brees, over 8 yards per attempt, which suggests they're getting the ball down the field. The ball was distributed to nine different guys. Alvin Kamara had 95 yards on nine catches, and he had 79 yards rushing. That is, if my math is correct, and it rarely is, 174 yards from scrimmage and a couple of touchdown runs. It it looks like when you just scan through yeah. the stats, hey, Saints uh, had a good night. Well, they, they got off to a good start. It was 17-7. to It looked like here we go. Turn it off in the third quarter unless you want to sit around and watch a lot of garbage time football. And then maybe it is that the defense can't take advantage of that opportunity to deliver the kill shot that would give the offense a chance to go up 24-7. 31-7, and then it's over. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think the defense is a work in progress at the very best. I mean, that, that the first thing is we know why they were in the Jadeveon Clowney sweepstakes. We heard that. We, we knew they made major play for him. Well, I think we've seen through two weeks, you know, yeah, the, the inability for guys in the front seven to make a play, make a difference there. The corners and the secondary, you like it, but I don't think that's up to par either. Marshawn Lattimore – for as talented as he is, he still gives up too many plays. So, yeah, it's unbuttoned. And then when you talk about the offensive side of the ball, yes, yeah, statistics are good. They're always good with Sean Payton. But there's nothing there that moved the needle when the game needed to be moved. When we started, we need we need passes now. We need a hundred. We need a hundred yard quarter now, not when it's thirty one seventeen and the other team is or or what do I want to say? Yeah, thirty one seventeen and. Okay, the other team's now in a little bit of a play-safe, prevent-type defense, and okay, we get down there and get a touchdown in the fourth quarter and like rack up stats like that. It's a little too late at that point, and that's why you know those are there's some BS stats there. There was just a sense of malaise, almost sleepwalking in the second half for the Saints. They never could get the engine started, and it never felt like they no. had a serious opportunity to come back and win the game. Let's hear from. The two guys most responsible for the Saints offense since 2006, quarterback Drew Brees and coach Sean Payton. Are we totally in sync right now? No, we're not. We're not even close to what we are capable of. Not even close. Um, we did some good things tonight early on, but it just uh, just wasn't enough for the, the few opportunities we had. We needed to take better advantage of that. You got to credit Las Vegas. You know, those guys did a great job. They got in and out of plays versus our coverage looks. Um, you know, and one by one, they made the plays when they needed to, especially especially in the last half of that game. You know, third quarter, fourth quarter, uh, our third down numbers were poor. And, and we didn't do a good job of stopping one of their better players. 
You know, it's funny. Anytime I see someone wearing a shirt like Drew Brees, I start running the number through my memory bank. What is the significance? Is it a social justice statement? Yeah, what is, is it that? something I'm missing? 149. It's Michael Thomas. It's Michael Thomas's reception total last year. Oh, wow. And it was fitting that Drew Brees wore that shirt last night because he could have used Michael Thomas. I wonder if that's his subtle way of saying, don't blame me. We'd have won the game if Michael Thomas didn't have an ankle injury. That, well, it does seem a little weird. And that was the concern of not having Michael Thomas. He's, he, you know, first off, he's a talented football player. We know that. Then he fits in with what, how Sean Payton wants to call offensive f- football. And even more importantly, he fits into Drew Brees at 41, who, you know, here we are. We're discussing Drew Brees' inability to throw the ball down the field or outside the numbers through two weeks is, is an issue. It's an issue. And then when you don't have a guy like Michael Thomas who lives and kills like NFL football weekly with intermediate to short passes for the most part, yeah, that was a big part of their offense missing. But that, that to me is, is the, the, the silver lining of the game in itself. Just playmakers for that that Saints team. And, you know, up 17 to 7, right, Mike? Got the ball and got a wide open um, Jared Cook on the left sideline running like a corner route. Ball gets kind of thrown high and above him, and it was like the game was never the same. Uh, From that point on, the Raiders started to move the ball a little bit the same way the Saints do, just picking you apart five, six, seven yards at a time. But you sit there and you start to go, well, damn, the Raiders might have a few more difference makers on the offensive side of the ball than the Saints when it comes down to it. I mean, Darren Waller, everybody saw last night. He's in that conversation with Kelsey and and George Kittle. And then we saw Josh Jacobs and things like that, too. So they were able to create create enough plays with their playmakers in that similar Sean Payton style of offense with John Gruden where, yeah, little inside slant, little throw to the back out of the backfield – all of those type of things were very effective on the Saints all night long. Michael Thomas wasn't there, but he was watching the game. And it would have been better for him to just go ahead and self-report himself to Old Takes Exposed instead of tweeting, might get ugly fast, LOL, and then deleting it. Oh, they still get you even if you don't self-report. The Freezing Cold Takes account, like, they're going to get you. It's always better to self-report yourself. But, yeah, Michael Thomas might get ugly fast, LOL. No, it got ugly slow, Michael. The Raiders ended up coming back, obviously, as we know at this point, unless Michael turned it off and went to bed, and the Raiders got it done. And it should make Thomas feel good at some level. Like, you want your team to win. You want your team to rack up as many wins as possible. But it is nice to know at some level they really do miss me. Well, it is nice, I'm sure, yes. Uh, But he realized that before, how important he was. Yeah, does this, you know... I, you know, honestly, it confirms that he knows he's a big part of this offense and they're not as good, but he, he's not happy, that's for sure, because, of course, he's trying to win a Super Bowl, too. This is a team that's got Super Bowl on their mind, and that's all there is to it, and we've seen them the last few years. That's where, like, I, I go, like, let's pump the brakes a little, even though I don't like the way the Saints have looked. They have traditionally, through the last few years, been a slow-starting football team. So like Drew Brees says, maybe this is the early, we're just in the early stages, they can get a lot better, but I do think there's a few things that concern me right now, and as we sit here, yeah, one and one, that's good, they're certainly not in like the doghouse or anything, but week one, we thought the offense looked crappy against the Buccaneers too, it was crappy, and then the defense had moments of making a few plays, but not looking great either, so uh, the Saints are kind of like to be determined in my mind right now. As the great Larry King once said to Jerry Seinfeld, sometimes shows go down, and as Seinfeld said, sometimes people do as well. Drew Brees last night facing the question of whether he is seeing his skills and his career deteriorate. You know, it's a popular narrative already from a lot of analysts that they're concerned we're seeing a sharp decline from your performance and some stats that, you know, your air yards are the shortest through two games of any quarterback in more than a decade. What, what would you say to counter the narrative that, that you don't feel like you're, you're starting this season um, showing decline? Um, <laughs> well, we, uh, my job is to execute the offense. Right. And so um, I'll uh, I, I think I've, I've I've always evaluated myself on being a great decision maker. 
And so at the end of the day, um, I'm gonna throw the ball to the open guy, um, move the ball down the field, score points, help us win football games. You know, so that's my job. Um, my job is not to have the most air yards um, or throw the ball down the field the most or anything like that. Uh, my job is to help us win. My job is to help put everybody around me in the best position to succeed. And um, that's all I'm focused on. You know, a lot of football players would like to become actors. I think Drew Brees has the chops because he was pissed at that question, Chris. No you doubt. could see it as it was being asked. And he thought about, maybe he was watching the show yesterday, he thought about the Bill Belichick 22 second just don't say anything <laughs> yeah. and they'll move on to the next question. <laughs> no, I don't think Drew would do that. Uh, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure he wanted to be like, you know, hey, F you. I got, we got other issues on the offense. It's not me, anything like that. Listen, bottom line is like air yards for Drew Brees have never been very high. I mean, even, even in years where he was having huge statistical years, he was always towards, towards the bottom, these, especially these last few years, towards the bottom of error intended yards as far as the ball traveling in the air. But it's more than that through the first two games. You heard Brian Greasy allude to it early in the game last night there on Monday Night Football, talking about last week he was off. We saw balls that, you know, went high, that fell short of the target. We saw it again last night. I mean, that's just the thing that – and it's not like we're seeing balls that fall short of the target that are like 25-yard out routes. We're seeing eight-yard throws at the ankles. We're seeing an interception down the middle that's six feet short of the target. Uh, we're seeing third downs where he has to move in the pocket and there's a guy open over the middle and the ball just hangs in the air forever and a linebacker can run and close down and knock it down to not get the completion. So I think that's the thing that's more concerning. I don't care about necessarily the intended air yards, but it's the way it also looks. And that's to where I just question, man, it's just, it's hard work. I, I, I know it's Drew Brees and Sean Payton and they're the kings of execution, but to just think you're going to go on 10 and 12 play 80-yard drives game after game after game and uh, do that, it's just that's a lot to ask of your whole football team. And, and if you make one mistake, you know, the drive gets messed up and, and nothing's the same. Yeah, that's the thing about their offense, and that's why when they were down 14 points late in the game, you, you said there's no the chance. Sense. How do you how you don't have right. the kind of offense that's going to consistently give you 25 and 30 yards per play when you need it the most? It's more hoping that you pop something right. on a short pass that that goes that far. Right. But at that point of the game, when they're keeping everything in front of them, and that's why I was surprised, frankly, that that late in the game, that's what the Raiders were doing because you don't have to do that. You don't have to stay back. You're playing into the Saints offense if you stay back. Go ahead and be aggressive and force him to throw it over the top because he's not going to do it. No, he's, so, he's not. Uh, but, it, you know, that scares coaches always, right? You just, oh, man, here goes Alvin Kamara one-on-one -on -one out of the backfield and our guy trips and falls and then it's a wide, you know, that, that, that's – but you're right. You're right in your thought, though. Like, you don't need to back off and prevent defense similar to, like, maybe other quarterbacks. You could probably push the envelope a little bit with the Saints and Breeze because of the things you're mentioning. Okay, so how about this? Yeah. And we're not starting the conversation. We're just raising the question of at what point the conversation becomes a conversation. And I don't think it does all year long. Jameis Winston signed as a free agent after the Buccaneers moved on. The only guy on the entire active roster in the first two weeks who didn't play for the Saints. Taysom Hill, who got a big contract. And it looks like the contract that was given to Taysom Hill was more about making the down payment on keeping him around, right. not using him more. In fact, you can make the argument They need to that, use him more. Well, that they need to use him more generally. He had... 14 offensive snaps last night, nine snaps on special teams. They are using him much more sparingly on special teams, which tells me that when you consider both ends of it, yeah. they're protecting him in the event that they need him. You're right. And they're either going to need him because of injury or because Sean Payton's going to get to a point where he says, sorry, Drew, it's not working. And again, I don't think it gets to that point this year. I think a lot's got to go haywire yeah. for that to happen. But it doesn't make sense to pay Taysom Hill all that money, and then he has two rushes for eight yards, zero catches, and zero passes last night. I was alarmed that there wasn't even a single pass attempt for Taysom Hill last night. 
So we, we saw, I thought, the best guy on the field for the Saints and maybe the best guy on the field for either team in the wild card playoff loss to Minnesota. That's what sparked the conversation about what's his future, and the Saints paid him the big contract, $21 million over two years with $16 million guaranteed, and now they're, they're protecting him. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense unless they're protecting him in the event that number seven, not number nine, is going to be playing quarterback at some point before the end of the year. Again, I don't think it should happen. I don't think it will happen. No, I'm with you. But there's got to be an explanation for all of a sudden Taysom Hill not being used on special teams as much as he was. He played 84% of the snaps on special teams in the playoff game, 19% last night. Something's going on there with Taysom Hill where they are keeping him in a in a not a full blown bubble wrap, yeah, just kind of a coating of protective plastic. Yeah, right now he's just the guy that the other team has to prepare for. Like, oh, we got to prepare for some of these Taysom Hill plays, but you're not going to really see him that much. But it's a pain in our butt, so yeah, we'll get ready and we don't want to get burned by it. But yeah, he's not a part of the flow of the offense by any stretch of the imagination, like we've seen over the last two years, where he's been a great weapon. And been that guy, Mike, that we're just talking about where we say there's a lack of the Saints offense. He's been that guy to create big plays and bring a little energy to the offense. Whether it's the design runs and him running over people or ripping off an 8- or 10-yard gain, it does add juice to their offense and a little bit of an explosive element. Or him setting up to throw deep passes, which also sometimes leads to him then scrambling and getting a 10-, 15-yard scramble that also is there, you know, on the verge of an explosive type play. But I think, Mike, you hit it. I think it's like bubble wrap because he's he they view him as the future to a degree. And I think they're stuck in between right now because, yeah, if something did happen to Drew Brees, I, I think we both get the sense that it would not be Jameis Winston this year like it was Teddy Bridgewater last year, that it would be Taysom Hill, that it, it's finally come time to groom him for the next step. And I guess that's why they're saving him. But – you know, like you're saying, when they've been at their best that on the offensive side of the ball, he's a part of it, and their special teams. And that's when they put a lot of pressure on you in all three phases of their football team. And here's the thing. Last night was by no means a statement game by the Raiders against the Saints. It was just one of those where we are still undecided about what we saw and what it means. That's right. Now, the Saints have to pack up in Las Vegas, go back to New Orleans on a short week, and get ready for the Packers to come to town. On Sunday Night Football. Wow. Where everyone's going to be watching. That's where the statement game could happen. That's where the wheels could come off. That's where the conversation we're having today, all of a sudden, by next Monday, Chris, that conversation could be much more widespread. Right. So what we're doing is we're just planting a flag at the possibility that on Sunday night, and oh, we always want a close, exciting game down to the wire on Sunday Night Football on NBC. We want every game to be close and exciting, but especially the ones on our network. But if it gets ugly on Sunday night, yeah, and 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 think about it, oh, Aaron Rodgers going into another loud stadium that isn't going to be loud at all because no fans right? are going to be there, so Lucking the pass out. rush gets neutralized. Right. And, and the way he's been playing, and they think Devontae Adams will be good to go. He left the third quarter of Sunday's win over Detroit with a hamstring injury. I don't want to turn this into a full-blown preview for Sunday Night Football, but my point is this. If the Packers do to the Saints what the Packers did to the Vikings and what the Packers did to the Lions, only the fourth team in NFL history to score more than 80 points and gain more than 1,000 yards in the first two games of a season, if they make that 120 and 1,500 – that's when the conversation is going to be a lot louder about are the Saints in decline, Chris? Yeah, I, I mean, agreed. You're right. I mean, on that spotlight, Rodgers, there's Breeze. You know, it's it's highly likely. Of course, you're going to see right now Green Bay. You're going to see Rodgers pushing the ball down the field, and that'll even shine a spotlight more on Drew Breeze to go, wait, wh wh where's his plays like that? So uh, it'll be interesting to see. And I think that's why – you know, it's why I'm a little concerned, too, just because just from what we've seen from the Raiders in two weeks, I, I, I don't the Raiders. I, the Raiders defense is not good. I think that's why I'm concerned. I mean, we saw last night they had a hard time tackling Alvin Kamara in the backfield. I mean, they could have gave the ball to him more. That would be one thing I'd say to Sean Payton. Like, why didn't you just hand him the ball more in the backfield, like the true run game? But I mean, Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers diced up the Raiders. And as we saw, after like 
those first two series with the New Orleans Saints and like they run out of okay Sean Payton here's like the plays I really love going in the game these are our game plan plays we're going to gash them with that okay now we've that 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 part of our game plan's off ooh they've made some adjustments now now what do we go do they they were unable to make plays that, that that's just the simple fact of the matter against a defense that I think everybody would agree that has no playmakers none I mean, they're young and inexperienced in the secondary. They blow coverages. There's nobody to talk about in the front four that's, like, really special there. You know, same thing. Linebackers, they got Corey Littleton, but that's about it. I think that's where I get concerned about the Saints going, man, that Raiders defense, young and experienced, not the soundest of schemes, and they still went basically two and a half quarters of struggling to move the ball. I think that's what probably bothered me more than anything. Okay, all the Raiders fans out there are saying, I know. hey, you idiots, you're 24 minutes into the program and you've been obsessed with the Saints. Well, Sorry. there's a method to the madness, although there <laughs> isn't. This is just my story and I'm sticking to it. It's 424 a.m. in Nevada right now live, yeah. right? So we gave John Gruden a chance to get to the office. For the re-air, it's 724 a.m. in Nevada and in California where the concentration of Raiders fans are. We're giving you folks a chance to wake up before we begin to praise the team that is surprisingly 2-0. The one team that is matching the Kansas City Chiefs. And just think if the, well, if the Chiefs hadn't beaten the Chargers, they'd be 2-0. But either way, the Raiders are 2-0, right. tied atop the AFC West. And they deserve the praise for what they did last night. Holding serve at the christening of the giant Roomba in the desert. They get it done, and you have to give them credit. And let's hear from the head coach of the team that got it done and the quarterback who got it done. That's right. John Gruden and Derek Carr. Well, for the last couple of weeks, we've been pretty good uh, taking care of the ball, uh, talking no turnovers, converting on third down, having some balance, and winning the time of possession. And when you can win the time of possession and keep Breeze and Sean Payton over there together on the sideline, you have a chance, but we knew it was going to be a 15-round fight here tonight. We knew the Saints um, were going to give us everything that we had, and certainly the third-down conversions was big tonight. I'm tired of talking. You know, if I, some some people can probably hear it in my voice sometimes. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, it's nice. You know, it's nice to go out and be two and zero. It's nice to play against the the Saints, the World Champions. You know, top whatever defense, top whatever offense. The special teams unit is one of the best in the league. Uh, and get a win. I mean, that feels good. You know, it's a good statement Monday night, all that. But um, uh, just like I told the guys after the game when we brought it up, I said, job's, job's not done, you know. Um, if we want to, you know, be all excited and, you know, you know, feel good about ourselves because people are saying nice things now uh, and all that kind of stuff, then we're going to go to the Patriots on a short week and lose. Hey, you could go to the Patriots on a short week and lose anyway. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not ready to christen the Raiders as a team that's ready to go 3-0. and Now, you want to get everybody's attention? You go to Foxborough and you beat the Patriots. Yeah. I just don't see enough from this Raiders team to think that they're going to be able to do it. They should just be happy they're 2-0 and and keep grinding one week at a time and go in there with the mind. Of course they're going in there with the mindset they're going to try to win. Right. You may win. You yeah. may win. But even if you lose, you're going to grow as a team. You're going to learn more about yourself. You're going to figure out what you need to address to improve so you can win more games. And remember, seven playoff spots available. You start 2-0, and you're in a, and, and we yeah. always, after the second week, we start hearing all the stats about the teams that go 2-0, and X yeah. percent of them make it to the playoffs, right. and 0-2, X percent don't. Well, it's all going to change this year because there's another spot. So you start 2-0, and you're already ahead of the game for, at a minimum, wild card number three. So good news for the Raiders, but uh, look, they've got some, jeez, uh, Patriots, yeah. Bills, Chiefs, Buccaneers, 2-0 and could become 2-4 and four real Yikes. quickly, Chris. Yes, it can. It definitely can. Well, well, we'll say this, and you're right, I'm not ready to crown the, the Las Vegas Raiders or anything like that, but they are 2-0. and They won a game in week two that we did not expect them to win. Nobody picked them, right? So they do that, and this is the one thing I'll say about my ex-coach and John Gruden and everything there. His teams are tough. They were tough as hell last year. They're still in the early stages of like rebuilding this football team. They're young throughout their roster. But man, I mean, they bring it to you. You know, we talk about John Gruden and, you know, West right slot, 72 Z bingo, U split, or scatter to West right slot, F left, 372 Y6 Z spot. But he's old school and he wants to run the football. And that's the one thing he does with this football team is he creates an attitude where their offensive line, it's big, it's mean. 
and it blows people off the line of scrimmage, that always gives them a fighting chance. And even games where they're overmatched or are not the better team on the football field. So that's been big. And then we got to give Derek Carr credit. I mean, Derek Carr is playing really good football. Would, 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 were there a few plays last night that we, sh we saw Mike and, and, you know, my old teammate, Brian Greasy pointed out a few times like, Hey, I, I wish he would have thrown the ball down the field here or been a little bit more aggressive without a doubt, still a work in progress there, but damn, does he execute the offense and damn, does he put every short throw right on the money to where the guy like a Darren Waller, he could always run after the catch. He could always run and through the arm tackle or stop on a dime to make a guy go by so he can make a miss. That's where he's he's really great that way. I mean, I wish he was more aggressive, but he's playing the damn position pretty damn good right now. What you always say about the John Gruden offense, it's a Ferrari. He entrusts you with the keys, and he doesn't want you to wreck it or even scratch the paint. Right. Last night, Derek Carr did not wreck it or scratch the paint. The thing is, though, he also wants the quarterback to know when to put the pedal to the metal and let it fly and see how fast he can get it going, and that's where Derek Carr still continues to be hesitant. But when you bit. have Darren Waller, you know— how about Darren Waller? 12 catches, 103 yards, and a touchdown. It's actually one catch short of his career high. He had 13 last year against the Vikings. But Darren Waller quickly becoming one of the best tight ends in the NFL. We did our best tight ends draft other than George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. Maybe it should have been other than Kittle, Kelsey, and Waller. Well, yeah, I think I was glad. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was our first pick or my first pick, though, because he is a guy that – you know, the, the the national media, normal, you know, everyday fans who just turn on football, oh, hey, a game's on. I don't think they know him yet. So he, we, we, we had to draft him or put him in the draft. But you're right, he's in the class of those guys. I mean, he's a pretty good run blocker, and he is phenomenal in the past game, as you saw. And Gruden is amazing at figuring out how to get the tight end the football. He really is, especially a big tight end like that, Mike, because he can also, like, Gruden's got, yeah, knows how to use the tight end, but has all those Michael Thomas slot plays too to where a tight end like Darren Waller can do all that stuff, those inside slants and different routes to like expose underneath linebacker coverage and stuff. He, he's amazing that way, and such, he's such a big body. He just catches the ball and people fall off him, or he runs away from you. And at that size, to be that big and run the way he does, uh, he's, he's pretty special. They were brilliant last year and getting out in front of that contract and giving him $9 million a year early on in the year last year because he exploded and he could sit here this year and probably have asked for to be the highest-paid tight end in football other than George Kittle and, and probably would have been able to justify that. I'm amazed by the stats generated by Josh Jacobs. I thought he did a lot better than 88 yards on yeah. 27 carries, 3.3 yards per carry. You take out his long run of 14 – he had 2.8 yards per carry on 26 carries, Chris. I thought he was grinding it out a lot more than that. Well, he was grinding it out. You know, he, he was. It's not easy sledding, as we've talked about for, like, the last two years with the Saints. They got a lot of big bodies on that defensive line. I think the fact that you're allowed – you're capable of getting two, three, four-yard type runs, that's almost a win against the Saints because they're used to, like, oh, you run on first down? Oh, it, it's second and ten. You went nowhere. That, that's kind of the way, the, the way they play football. And, you know, too, Mike, you're, you're right. When I first saw the stats, I looked at it and I went, it just seemed like he had a better day. But I think in the big moments, you know, first down runs, that was big. And the carries got a little watered down by a few goal line situations and short yarded situations where, you know, hey, we all knew he was running up the middle and he, he had three or four carries where he, you know, barely got to the line of scrimmage or only got a yard in those goal line situations. And of course, that always makes, always makes the numbers look uglier too. Still had 30 touches for the night. So, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that running backs love until they realize they're only playing four or five years because their bodies have been banged up. There, there yeah. also were a couple of losses, and Trey Hendrickson blew him up in the backfield on one of them. It was a, it was a right. great play for Hendrickson because it was one play after a, a roughing the passer call on Hendrickson. He put his hand up, and his hand hit the helmet of Derek, Derek Carr, Carr right. and the Raiders got 15 yards. And then on the next play, Hendrickson blew up Josh Jacobs uh, to atone for it a little bit. But Jacobs, you know, he's what John Gruden needed. One of the three first-round picks last year. He was in the conversation for Offensive Rookie of the Year, but for Kyler Murray, he would have been. And now he's in a position where, 
He's he's piling up the yards, even if it wasn't as many last night as we thought it would be. And and it gives the offense what it needs, that big presence in the running game yeah. that sets up the passing game. No doubt. It protects a defense that we know is not that talented. It keeps the offense on the field, chewing up the clock. Like John Gruden said, you know, it it, it kept Drew Brees and Sean Payton on the sideline. That's the best defense for their football team. Gruden knows his defense is young and, and still a work in progress. So that's why he continues to do that. And that's where Jacobs is special, Mike, because, you know, he's he's – he can be a little bit of that Alvin Kamara out of the backfield type guy, and you go, oh, wow, look at those moves. But he's got a true, you know, workhorse type mentality when he's a runner, like where it's like, damn, I mean, he's just grinding it in there like Derrick Henry and just putting his head down and smashing in there and making those type of runs too. Very interesting combination. Uh, but Gruden loves to run the football. I think it's one thing that's always kind of been – underrated as far as the talk aspect of what Gruden brings to the football team, that physicality, that offensive line, it helps them control the game in a lot of ways. And it helps out their short passing game too, uh, because you're, you're worried about stopping that run and packing in the box there. All right. You can't complain about too many commercials on this program. 34 minute opening Bam. segment. We're going to take a break now though. When we return the COVID-19 issue, the Failure of NFL coaches to wear a mask. Uh-oh. The amount of money that is being taken out Whoa. of your guy Kyle Shanahan's bank account because of it. We're going to talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. I'm doing my best. You know, I've had the virus. Okay, I'm doing my best. I'm very sensitive about it, but I'm calling plays. Um... I just want to communicate in these situations, and uh, I apologize. And if I get fined, I, I will have to pay the fine. But, um, you know, I'm very sensitive about uh, all of that, and, and I apologize. Oh, you will have to pay the fine, John Gruden. came out during the first half of last night's game that three coaches have been fined $100,000 each, and their teams fined $250,000 each for failing to comply with the NFL's mandate that every coach and member of the sideline entourage must wear a face covering over the mouth and the nose. And last week, everyone got the warning. And I don't know whether it's they just thought they were kidding or uh, uh, it's just Troy Vincent. Troy Vincent is basically a half click below the commissioner. You better listen to Troy Vincent when he sends you a memo. Just because it's his name instead of Roger Goodell, it still has teeth to it. Yeah. As 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan Broncos coach Vic Fangio and Seahawks coach Pete Carroll have found out with $100,000 out of their pockets for blatantly disregarding the mask mandate. There were more guys that didn't comply. Right. I mean, Frank Reich had his nose sticking out the entire time, yeah. which is just as troubling a message. And see, that's the thing. This is why we praised Russell Wilson yesterday. And, and, and I think Nick Mangold had an issue with, oh, this is all absurd. Why is this a story? Because the NFL said you must do it. It doesn't matter whether you agree with the rule or not. Saying I disagree with the rule is not going to insulate you from consequences for violating it. It's the old Steve Martin, I forgot to pay my taxes. No, you just because you don't like it doesn't mean you're okay. You still have to do it. And what John Gruden is choosing to do is be as effective as he can possibly be when he's calling plays, even though other coaches are complying, and maybe it's making them less effective when they're calling plays. And oh, by the way, speaking of calling plays with your mouth covered, as Lindsey Jones, it was either Lindsey, no, it was Nikki Javala, I think, formerly the Denver Post, now I think with the Washington Post, I'm not sure where she is right now, she moved not that long ago, had a tweet last night of coaches with their play sheets over their mouths. So you can... Make effective play calls with your mouths covered. Uh, and, and, you know, it, put the microphone under the mask. Do something. Do something to make it easier for you. If you feel like you can't get the words out, do something. Because here's the thing. You can get the words out. And when you're calling plays into a headset, they don't need to see your lips moving. I understand if you're in a stadium and the background noise is playing, Chris, and you're trying to say something to a guy on the field or a guy next to you on the sideline, it's easier if they can see your lips moving to give it context so they know what you're saying. But if you're talking into that headset, you don't need to have anyone see your lips moving, and the words are coming through. So, look, John Gruden's going to get fined $100,000 today. If there's any consistency in the NFL, he should be fined, and Sean Payton should be fined too. I'll peel back the curtain a little bit. Once I saw that the fines were out, I texted someone I know with the Saints, 
and said, hey, at halftime, you better tell Sean to wear his mask. They're hitting guys now. It's $100,000. And the person said, well, Sean always wears his mask except when he's calling plays. So I texted the person in the second half and said, apparently he's calling plays on defense now tonight as well. Because it wasn't. Hey, when they didn't have the ball, the mask was still down. It was basically, you know, down here around the neck. John was trying to be sly about it. He was using it like a, like a jowls catcher right here. And every once in a while, every once in a while, he'd think of it and pull it up. But uh, they're both going to get whacked. I mean, it's the rule, number one. And number two, at a time when people still, for whatever reason, refuse to do something that will keep them from catching the virus, it sends a message if there's compliance that, yeah, maybe everyone watching should consider doing this themselves. Yeah, I mean, I understand it. I, I totally do get that. Now, I don't – I think these are people that respect what's going on here. This is not easy. I, I know it's not. And I know you, like, you made the comment of like, hey, when you're on the sidelines, you want to see a guy's mouth move and things like that. Mike, it's not that easy to hear in these quarterback things when it's there's no crowd and there's nothing. It's, it's, it's a small microphone in a helmet, and it's a coach speaking in this thing. So if you have this stuff over your mouth, and I'm not trying to make excuses – the thing I've heard is it's just very muffled to where players can't really hear like the pronunciations of certain words and things like that. So, of course, yeah, you're seeing the guys who are play callers for the most part and very involved in Fangio and his defense and saying things right there. I don't know, Pete Carroll, he's not calling the plays. He doesn't have an excuse. But guys like Peyton, Sean Payton, Gruden, and Kyle Shanahan – I mean, those offensive words are, are, are long. Those plays are long, as we've joked around with me messing them up in the, in the past. So that creates an issue. And then the other thing I just say is – But, Chris, Chris, it doesn't matter okay. because guys are complying. I know. That's the thing. I get it. The guys are complying who are complying are at a disadvantage. It, it, it makes it even more wrong that guys are deliberately not complying when guys are complying – to their detriment. Well, you know, some of the dumb more co- offensive coordinators, they'll have plays that are four, four you know, words long. Yeah. And then they're really good, good offensive year. Maybe coordinators. Maybe this is a good year. Maybe yeah. this is a good year to have plays that are four words well, long. It is. It is. So you're, you're taking away an advantage of a coach who has, like, maybe calls two plays in the huddle and has lots of verbiage and words in there. Hey, Chris. I know these I know, are the rules. They all knew about it. They I all get knew it. about it going in. That's fine. I get it. Other thing I just want to say here is I, I don't really get it. Okay, they're tested every day. That's my only problem here is it's only for the optics. It seems like it just seems like it's for the optics. And I guess that's where I struggle with it a little bit. Then what needs to happen? Right. The owners need to get together today on a video conference and they need to vote at least 24 to eight to ditch the requirement that sideline personnel and coaches wear masks. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Right. It's a rule that was set by the NFL. I know. And if it's a bad rule. Let's have that conversation. But until that rule is changed, yeah. thou shalt comply with it. And the reason that the fines are six figures and the reasons that the teams are being hit, they don't want these guys to think it's just a parking ticket, cost of doing business. Right. All right, fine. I'll just write the check for the full year. It's going to be over the course no, that of, the hurts. of the season, $1.5 million if you don't wear the mask. <laughs> right. So Kyle's on notice. Fangio's on notice. Carol's on notice. Gruden and Peyton are going to be put on notice. And now uh, everybody better comply unless the owners get together this week and they have the power to do it. They have the power to get together and say, okay, this has gone far enough. We, we, we're tested every day. We're not having issues with COVID-19. Exactly. L- let's, let's just get rid of this rule. And maybe they should. That, that, maybe they should. Yeah. Because, because if this continues, it's going to get more embarrassing and, and more expensive for the teams. And for the coaches, I mean, really, you think about it. The, the owners of these three teams, 49ers, Broncos, and Seahawks, have just had $250,000 taken out of their coffers right. because their coaches aren't complying. So you can go two ways. You say to your coach, put the damn mask on, right. or you start making phone calls I to think, build a coalition yeah. that would say, let's just get rid of this rule. Right. I, I mean, uh, th- that, that's all I'm saying. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's tough. It really is. I put those headsets on before and and things like that to have something covering your mouth and a real mask like Bill Belichick was wearing the other night and stuff. You know, that that it can't be easy for communication. And you know, you made you made all the points. That's the only thing I'll say. I mean, yeah, they're 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 the where they're at in the testing and how well we're doing in the NFL with, 
you know, handling COVID-19 and everything like that. Yeah, I just I, I think and I understand we want to send the right message. I do. But this is also like, hey, this is these guys jobs. You know, there's the McVeigh's, the Sean Payton's, the Gruden's of the world. They're psychos. They live this. They're trying to get an organization together and win a football game and things like that. And communication is key to that. And I do think it's something that if I was the NFL, I would go back and reassess here a little bit uh, because I, I just I, I think you're still going to have moments of it's still not looking good. You know, even if the offensive play caller is like, OK, allowed to bring it down to call the play like, all right, I don't, he's yelling the play on the sidelines with the mask down. But then him putting it right back up is going to save everybody all of a sudden. You know, that, that okay. So it, to me, that's where it just it, it drives me a little crazy. It's more about the optics right now. Let's just get back to the reality of the situation. Talk about it. Not put your employees of the NFL that are like faces of the NFL in such an awkward position and really putting the NFL in an awkward position at the end of the day because we're going to continue to talk about this because we know it's a rule and we're watching guys break those rules. And for now, the emphasis is force them to comply with the rules unless the owners decide we don't need this rule. And yeah. the juxtaposition is weird because all the guys on the field, they don't have masks on. They run over to the sideline. They're talking to a coach who's supposed to have a mask on. <laughs> it doesn't make sense when they can talk to each other and they don't have that, masks. That's what I mean. So, yeah, yeah. And, and, and these rules were all developed at a time when the NFL wanted to test guys three times a week. Right. Now that they're committed to daily testing, and I'm told it's going to last all season long, just do that. Test them daily. Look, I'm coming around on this. I mean – I'm a firm believer in whatever the rules are, you have to comply with them, you. and everybody else is, so you need to as well. Right. Maybe it, it makes sense to take a step back and get rid of the rule. Will the NFL be willing to swallow its pride? You know, whoever came up with that rule, is that person willing to say, okay, oh, I get it, you're right, the coaches don't need it? Because really, it, it is a distraction from, and it's a reminder to anyone watching at home that we're still in a pandemic when we see all these masks on the sidelines, yeah. maybe there's maybe there's extra value. Since they're being tested every day, yeah. and they're together anyway, to just say, all right, we don't need the masks on the sidelines, especially for the coaches. We're going to take a break. When we return, the full news is in for the injuries coming out of Sunday. As expected, the news is not good. We'll run down all the big names that will be unavailable to their teams for a few weeks or the rest of the season. More PFT live coming at you right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Treat dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts dad will love up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make dad's day with gifts up to 60% off. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. We got 10 minutes worth of injuries in a five-minute bag, and there's your basic injury report. There's the summary. All the guys, all the bobbleheads turned. That, that's kind of funny and kind of wrong at the same time. But all those guys turned over, all those bobbleheads, out for at least a week, if not longer. Just a quick snapshot of, oh, there's Michael Thomas. He was already out. He's not one of the new ones. No. There are plenty of new ones Ooh. two weeks in. Let's take a look at where we are here. 49ers, uh, a couple of key players out for the season. Nick Bosa, that kills them. We talked about that yesterday. Solomon Thomas also out for the season. They signed Ziggy Ansa yesterday, which, look, there's a reason Ziggy Ansa was available in late September. Yeah. He's not Nick Bosa. Not having Nick Bosa is going to change that team in a dramatic way. Jimmy Garoppolo has an outside shot to play this weekend against the Giants. Raheem Mostert unlikely to play. Chris, your 49ers, they're, they're huddling in 
in uh, White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia, just a couple hours down the road from me. They've got a lot to focus on. They've got a lot to reassess, and they've got to get some guys to step up and play. I mean, these are major, I mean, major injuries. I mean, look at this. We're, if you're watching on TV, I mean, we got a graphic of eight guys. We don't even have guys like Debo Samuel on there, other star players. We don't have enough, graf enough graphics on TV. It it's unbelievable. I mean, they are missing right now game-changing type football players. And, yeah, when you lose a guy like Nick Bosa, it makes you reassess to go, wait, can they really go to the Super Bowl and do that without him? I mean, Bosa is, is one of the best defensive players in football and an unbelievable system fit for what they want to do. And then, of course, you know, the pass rush is so imperative there with that system and that Seattle scheme they play. D Ford has been injured throughout his career. So you're going to have games where he's going to be in and out of the lineup. You know, they're playing a Giants team that we know is kind of in a rebuild phase right now, and that's very fortunate for the 49ers. But uh, I, I can't remember, can you, a team that's been ravaged like with this big names of injuries uh, or this early on in the year, it, it, it's as bad as bad as I've ever seen. Especially not a team that was regarded as one of the elite teams in the right. National Football League. Right. You know, I, I worked on my power rankings last night during the game, and there's a significant drop for the 49ers, even though they won 31-13, to because there's too many guys down. And with Bosa gone particularly, that takes them off of the short list of Super Bowl contenders in the NFC, in my view. So horrible news for the 49ers. But yeah. this is the ultimate test. You know, I've said Kyle Shanahan could be the next Bill Belichick. Well, Bill Belichick made his bones in part by setting a standard that demands whoever steps up comes in and plays well, and there's no excuses for injury because once you start making excuses, that's when everything starts to fall apart. Christian McCaffrey is out four to six weeks due to his ankle injury. And Chris, you know, we talked about this yesterday, and I wish I wasn't right about this, but I had a feeling yeah, this is you where right. it was going. It felt like the Michael Thomas situation where the player says, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, even when he's not fine. Yeah, I mean, again, it's that ankle it feels okay on a Sunday after the game because you still got the adrenaline and, you know, like we've talked about, maybe some numbing agents in your body. But that's one of those high ankles, one of those things you wake up the next day and you go, oh, no, this is really bad. I'm in trouble. And it sounds like that's what happened. All right, when we return, another hour of PFT Live still to come. Plus, I watched the film, Chris. I got my Ron Jaworski glasses Oreo on Jaworski and I watched the film. Here. We'll be back right after this. Jaworski. Treat dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts dad will love up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make dad's day with gifts up to 60% off. There are two things that are absolutely true. Grandma loves you, and she would never say no to McDonald's. So treat yourself to a Grandma McFlurry with your order today. It's what Grandma would want. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's for a limited time. 